Welcome to the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. And if you want to find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show at couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. It is, like I said, um, a weird. it was a weird day and a, a bit of a wild one. So we're doing this podcast a little bit later than I, I like to be doing them. Um, Fridays, I've mentioned before, are a little bit busier for me, and today was especially busy, so your boy needed a bit of a break after all was said and done. But the big news of the day comes from the Canadian Football League, uh, league as McLeod Bethel-Thompson, for a rundown, goes to the Raptor game Thursday night, they show him up on the video screen like, hey, come see the Raptors, to, or come see the Argos, take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats this Sunday, live from BMO Field at like three in the goddamn morning. And then he does the interview with TSN, and then he goes home. According to uh, Ryan Dinwiddie, um, dude leaves at halftime. That's still one half of basketball too long, according to the Canadian Football League, who made him mispractice today for protocols. The usual procedure for this is you miss four days, uh, quarantine four days with some testing and stuff going on. Now, that puts him uh, available to return Monday, which is an issue for the Toronto Argonauts. So, a compromise was made that he has to sit out for uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or for, I guess, a part of the day on Sunday, and has to have tests on each day. All of them have to come back negative, and then he can play. There are a number of different layers to this entire story. And first of all, it's weird. And one thing that's not being talked about enough is how on earth the Toronto Argonauts or whoever approved this. How are you not asking the Canadian Football League, hey, is it cool if we go do this thing? Or can we get an exemption if it isn't cool? And if it isn't cool, like maybe we do like a, a video thing or something along those lines. Like there are ways we have found in 2020 and in 2021, we have found ways to communicate with people without actually being in the building. So it is just a remarkable amount of negligence that the Toronto Argonauts had this happen to them. And because of that, I... My thought going in was that Bethel Thompson was probably going to play, and you would hate to see a team lose over this, but the more I, I, I was thinking about it, the more I was like, you know what, like, the Argos kind of deserve to be punished for this. Like, they, they deserve to have some kind of a consequence for just screwing up in this sort of way. And they're, they're probably not going to know. Like, um, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is double vaccinated. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get it. We, we have seen this uh, thousands of times before um, in, in this whole pandemic. But th there's a pretty good chance he took care of himself and everything is going to be fine. There are four other players, by, excuse me, four other players, by the way, on the Argos who are involved in this one. I understand rules should be rules and other teams had um, had other things kind of like this. Jagera Davis missed a game for Hamilton earlier this season. It's just dumb, and it's just weird. I have no problem with him playing. I didn't really have a, a strong opinion on it either way. I, I tend to be in the rules are rules category, even if stupid rules are stupid, they are still rules. Now, the, the Canadian Football League, we're flying by the seat of our pants with everything in sports and in the world these days. So for the CFL to have the flexibility to be able to do this isn't the worst thing in the world. I can see why others are upset. I'm not. 
at all. I think it's fine that he is playing in this game. And it's not even, and again, it comes down to, oh, like, it's bad for the league if McLeod Bethel Thompson doesn't play. There is not 10 people in this world who are tuning into this game specifically for McLeod Bethel Thompson. Now, does the game look shittier without him? Maybe. we've Pipkin has come in and played in games before. I don't know if he is necessarily ready to be an every down, throwing the ball around the yard quarterback, but we have seen him play games before. It's not awful. So I don't think the Canadian Football League would fold before the West Final between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg if McLeod Bethel-Thompson didn't play. But it's such a trivial thing. He is double vaccinated. I don't really have a problem with it. If they would have uh, banned him for the game, I wouldn't have had a problem with that one either. To me, the great, the, the, the big thing of this whole thing isn't whether he played or not. It's why the hell was he allowed to do that in the first place? Like who in their right mind didn't just think to check with the league or think to check with the rules or think to check with like just anyone that this might not be okay. It's not, I don't think this is bad on the league. I don't think this is bad on whatever. I think this is just really dumb by the Toronto Argos. And because of it, it makes breaking down this game a little bit more difficult. Uh, I like to do the, the spreads. And as of, uh, Around 10 o'clock this morning, you could still get Hamilton, minus two, minus two and a half. That, um, at the time of this recording, that line is now gone. There is no line for this game. And you can understand why. You don't want just a a line floating out there when you don't know who the starting quarterback of a team is going to be. And I, I said before that um, it makes handicapping this game a little bit more difficult. And I'm, I'm kind of going back on that now. Because I think Hamilton wins either way. I think the way that front seven played against the Montreal Alouettes in the East semifinal, if they do that again, there there is not a team around that is beating them. And I've, I've said before, I'm not sold on McLeod Bethel-Thompson as a game winner. Another thing in this, like, Charleston Hughes hasn't been... Charleston Hughes capital letters this season. Um, I would say Dexter McCoyle probably falls into that as well. But those would be some pretty substantial misses for this Argonauts team. But I think, like, quarterback position, check. I like the coach better. I uh, There's a lot of talent on that Toronto team, but I just think that, that the Ticats are going to be able to win this one in the trenches. We go to Winnipeg, where the Blue Bombers are 8.5-point favorites over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I... I, I would go Winnipeg on this one. I Again, I grew up in Saskatchewan. I like the team. Um, I cover them to a, a certain degree now. I just do not see them being able to keep up with Winnipeg. You look back at a couple of the other ones, and they were close early on, and then Winnipeg was able to pull away. I said before, and I, I will stick to this one for sure, this is a Saskatchewan team that needs the lead early. The coin toss is important for Saskatchewan. If they can go out, establish things on the first drive, and start to, to take a bit of a hold of this game, take some of the running game out for Winnipeg. We don't know. Andrew Harris, it's not trending in the right direction. By the time you hear this, maybe something will have changed, but he went from a full participant to a limited participant to a non-participant. That is not the direction you want to see that moving. So I, I would be surprised if he is not playing. The one that I'm, I'm interested in is Jackson Jeffcoat, because that is an elite pass rusher that might not be in the lineup as he was limited a couple of times this week. Um, it didn't seem like there was a ton of concern around that, but it, it's still, I think, noteworthy. So we will see what goes on with that, with Winnipeg, this weekend. But I, I still think there's just so much talent on the offensive side of the ball. 
I don't see Saskatchewan being able to keep up points-wise with Winnipeg. It was one thing to do it last week when you got four interceptions. I don't think Caleros is doing that again. Now, he has that in him. We have seen him get a little bit wild. It hasn't really happened this season, so maybe he is due. But it just everything points to Winnipeg winning this football game. Moving to the NFL, it is week 13 in the National Football League, and we are getting ready for a relatively full slate of games. So let's dive into it. Uh, not the best schedule this week. It is not one that I'm going to be upset that I'm focusing on Canadian football this weekend. <laughs> oh boy. Um, if you're not a CFL fan, maybe this is the weekend. You go go do some Christmas shopping or something, because this is, this is not a very good schedule. Arizona taking on Chicago. It sounds like it is the return of Kyler Murray. It sounds like it is the return of DeAndre Hopkins. And thus, it is a seven and a half point spread for Arizona. I think they cover that. Andy Dalton is in for Chicago. They barely be uh, beat the Detroit Lions. I, I, I think Arizona does horrible awful things to Chicago. Ditto for Indianapolis against Houston. They are 10-point favorites. There does not need to be a whole lot of breakdown. I don't know how high this line would have to be for me to pick Houston, but it's not 10. I will go Indianapolis. The Chargers taking on Cincinnati. In one of the games of the day, the Bengals are favored. The Chargers have played a little bit better coming out of their bye, but I still think there's a little smoke and mirrors going on with this offense. I, I, I think Cincinnati, again, is going to be able to run it down the Chargers' throat. Joe Mixon is going to have a massive day, and Cincinnati, I think, comes away with a win. I just got them money line, minus 170. Minnesota taking on Detroit. I wanted to go Detroit so badly. Um, Detroit, the home team in this game, they almost beat Minnesota in that, um, in that game earlier this season, but Kirk Cousins had one of his best moments of the year, leading the Vikings down the field for an eventual game-winning field goal, but it just, the, the wheels have absolutely fallen off in Detroit. It just feels like real hard times there. I wanted to go Detroit plus seven and a half, but I think the Vikings win this one going away. Miami taking on the Giants. No Daniel Jones in this game. This line skyrocketed, and that concerns me a touch from Miami standpoint, because I don't know if Daniel Jones is worth four, four and a half points on a spread in 2021, but I thought the line was a little bit low to begin with. So I thought this was an excuse for the line makers to bump this up to where it was supposed to be. Miami's on a roll right now. I don't see that stopping. I think Miami comes away with the win in this game. The other New York team, the Jets, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Jets did not have a kind stay in New York for their last matchup against the Giants. They are seven-point favorites. I think they will be able to get that done. I I, I think they get it done with the um, covering the seven, so I, I like Philadelphia minus seven in this matchup. I think Hurts bounces back and I don't think the Jets are very good. Tampa Bay taking on Atlanta. I don't see the Atlanta offense being able to keep up with Tom Brady and the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tampa Bay runs away with this one. They're favored by 11. I like that one. Same thing. Rams minus 13 against Jacksonville. I get Matthew Stafford's back is bad. They could hand the ball off literally the entire game. No, uh, probably no Henderson either but I still think they win this game convincingly over Jacksonville. The Raiders taking on Washington. The Raiders entering this game as point-and-a-half favorites. I think we saw kind of the unlocking of this offense for the Raiders on Thanksgiving against the, the Dallas Cowboys. I think that they figured out how to incorporate Deshaun Jackson into this offense. Derek Carr was confident in the incorporation of Deshaun Jackson into this offense. Now, 
he is a little banged up this week. He may not be able to go on Sunday, but I think they'll be confident in throwing Zay Jones into that. I just feel like they have figured out what to do without Henry Ruggs now. I think they've unlocked something in this offense. I like uh, the Vegas Raiders to win this one. I just went money line minus 120. Baltimore taking on Pittsburgh. The Ravens favored by four and a half points. Give me the Ravens there. Again, I've I've been down on Pittsburgh for a minute, and that will continue here. I, I do not see a reason why the, the Pittsburgh Steelers would be able to hang in this game with Baltimore. I get last week looked bad against Cleveland, but I, I do think that the illness that Lamar Jackson was going through has been under-discussed when we look at the struggles that he had, and I, I think they'll be able to put it on Pittsburgh here a little bit. Another team that the odds makers seem to be holding on to a little bit is Seattle, as they are just three-and-a-half-point dogs against San Francisco. The season is over for Seattle, and San Francisco is battling for a wild-card spot. I don't get how this is only minus three-and-a-half. I think this is one of the the, the the real spotlight ones of the day. I like San Francisco minus three-and-a-half big time. Kansas City taking on Denver. The line is nine-and-a-half. This one is screaming for a teaser. Um, get that one down below the key number of three down to two-and-a-half. Normally, you like to get it from the, the ten down, but still, I, I think a, a good teaser possibility here. I just, again, I don't see Denver being able to keep up with Kansas City's offense. And uh, sure, the defense isn't great on the Kansas City side of things, but I, I do think that Kansas City is just better than Denver. I think they win this one at minus nine and a half. And Buffalo taking on New England on Monday Night Football. The spread is two and a half. I am going to go with Buffalo just on the money line. I I don't know about that point spread. This game definitely gives me the heebie-jeebies. I think a lot of... Uh, prediction pools or whatever are going to be decided based off of this game this week because there isn't a whole lot of variance in this. I think Buffalo gets it done. I, I think that the Patriots, the the way they run their offense is not going to be successful against Buffalo. And I understand Buffalo just lost a pretty good cornerback, but I think the the Bills end up getting it done. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. And also you can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Couple big fights in the boxing world this weekend on a Fights in Football Friday here on Couch Potato Diary. And it is basically the perfect summary of the career of Devin Haney, that he this weekend is kind of being overshadowed by the Javonta uh, Davis-Isaac Cruz fight. Because Devin Haney is, we, we talked about it with, um, with Michael Short a couple of months ago. This is one of the more talented fighters at lightweight. But he, over the next week, Javonta Davis is fighting on pay-per-view, and Vasily Lomachenko is fighting on free TV. So Haney gets bumped down to that third slot again. I, I think Haney has a chance to win the weekend. He is alone on Saturday night. Uh, the, the Davis pay-per-view is on Sunday night, which is a little bit interesting, out in LA. Both fights are out in Los Angeles, but it does feel like Haney is kind of the forgotten man in all of this. I think he has an opportunity against Joseph Diaz Jr. this weekend to really put on a show and remind everyone how good he is in this division. His last fight, there was talk of like, oh, well, he didn't win as convincingly. That can't be the talking point coming out of this weekend. Uh, Gervonta Davis, I'm quite interested to see how he handles Isaac Cruz over uh, 12 or less rounds coming up Sunday night. 
um, again, from Las Vegas, that one on Showtime. The Ultimate Fighting Championship is back again this week as it was um, a bit of time off, I guess, for the, the UFC, which is kind of rare. I remember when it was just... Um, it was one pay-per-view and one fight night card a month. I, I remember when it was not even that, but different times now. And so having a week between UFC fights is quite the thing. In the main event this weekend, it is uh, Jose Aldo going up against Rob Font. Aldo is a plus 125 underdog. I feel like... Look, this current version of Aldo is not the one that we grew up with, right? Or the, not the one who was one of the stars in mixed martial arts. But I do think everyone is forgetting, because of that, how dangerous this man was in the cage for a long time. Basically, before he ran into that punch from Conor McGregor. When we talk about the most dangerous featherweights of all time and the best featherweights of all time, Aldo is forgotten way too quickly because not a washed version of him, but... Not his peak version lost to Max Holloway. And it feels like Max Holloway just got all of the, the the momentum of a peak Aldo win when he didn't really have that. When Aldo was fighting, it just felt different. It felt inevitable. It felt like this was... Like, you, you almost felt bad for whatever poor soul was going in there. And then he got taken down. UFC 129? Was that the Toronto one? He got taken down a little bit. It was okay. Maybe there's a bit of a... Oh, no. Just put a giant welt on the side of a dude's head and close it out. I don't think he's going to be able to do it this weekend against Rob Font. It is a giant jump in competition for Rob Font. There is no denying that, but it, it's difficult to predict an Aldo win. Um, but I, I do think we need to use this weekend to remind ourselves of what a regular Jose Aldo fight week was like back in the, the blue cage, back in the early days of the featherweight division, because there was no one like him. And there have been very few like him since. And people are way too easy to forget that. Other fights on this card. I mean, Clay Guida is fighting again. He is a, a plus 160 underdog. That's interesting. We got Jimmy Crute, who had a bit of momentum for a little bit there. Uh, Mickey Gall is back on the card. There's a couple of, oh yeah, that guy fighting on this one. Brian Barbarano, who feels like he's been in the UFC since like 2002. Uh, on this, you got Jake Matthews as well. If this is one that you missed, it, it happens. Um, not, not just an absolute blow away card from the Ultimate Fighting Championship as we get ready for a pay-per-view weekend next weekend. A bit rapid fire, but that is the show for today. Thank you all so, 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 so much for downloading and listening. Rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Any notes on the show, send them my way on social media. I am at PrimetimeKlein on Twitter and Instagram, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, or you can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. Talk to you guys next week. I'm out.